Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today I'm very excited to be interviewing Don Campbell. Don is the senior real estate analyst and founder of the RAIN Network, the Real Estate Investment Network. And he's the author of many books about real estate. He's often featured in national media as an expert uh, in the real estate market and about real estate investing. And what he's all about and what Rain is all about is educating investors about how to grow their wealth. He's been doing this for more than 20 years. He's a very experienced, knowledgeable guy. And um, that's something that him and I share in common is a passion for education and a passion for um, cutting through the hype, cutting through the BS that is so often associated with the real estate industry and just giving straight facts, straight goods, and straight research to people and allowing them to make their own decisions. So um, the whole purpose, again, of this podcast and why I, this exists and why my blog and every, all my videos and, and articles that I write, the whole point of this is to help you, the listener, to help you, the reader, the watcher, um, to make better decisions uh, that will help you to make more money, to grow your wealth, when it comes to investing in condos. So I really enjoyed this conversation that I had with Don. I'm looking forward to sharing this interview with you. He gave us some great insights into real estate market and um, and even just some tips on how to be a better real estate investor and in some ways to be a better person as well. So for all the show notes on this episode, just head on over to truecondos.com slash rain. That's rain spelled R-E-I-N, and uh, we'll include all the links to everything we're talking about there. So without further ado, here's my interview with Don Campbell. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Don Campbell. Don is the Senior Analyst and founder of Rain, the Real Estate Investment Network. Welcome to the show, Don. Great to be here. Thank you, Andrew. Um, why did you devote your life to helping people to invest in real estate? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Back in 1980-something, I'm not going to date myself too far, but uh, it all started sitting and watching the Habs and Leafs game um, as we were sitting on these two, I'm really going to date myself now, two big, poofy beanbag chairs in front of a, a tube TV you could feel the heat coming off of. <laughs> Just two guys, you know, we're in high school. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the father of the one guy who I knew was very successful in uh, farming, and uh, he just out of the blue came down uh, in, in, the midst of, in the midst of the game and just started talking, you know, boys... I've never talked to you about real estate before, and you know, da, 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 this is how I make most of my money. But it was like three minutes, maybe five minutes, and we're all going, "Shut up!" Hockey game's on. But I remember driving home, and res- that resonated with me that uh, maybe this real estate thing is uh, a place to pursue wealth. Because my dad was a get a job, get a gold watch, retire guy, right? So, like a lot of our parents, and um, so that put me on the path of real estate. And then as I was going down that path of investing, I never wanted to get my license, never wanted to sell real estate. I just wanted real estate not to be my life, but I wanted real estate to fund my life. 
and it has proven to be uh, the right path for sure. But on the on the training side, I can still remember sitting around dining room table. Uh, it was a small group that we were getting together called Success in Action. Okay. And that was 26 years ago. And um, the conversation always went back to real estate and back to real estate. And, and, and we, you know, we kept trying to drive it back to business, the conversation around business, but it kept going to real estate. And then I, so I started to investigate the educational side of real estate back in the 80s, and wow, there was, it was just full of, shall we say, mm, challenging presenting. Okay, you, like snake oil salesman types, and well, yeah. If you want to go, if you if you want to label them, that's a good label. And and I was seeing my friends getting taken over and over again. So we just started to have these conversations around what the, what really drives the real estate market. You know what's it, what's the difference between wealth and rich? Just can't stand the word rich, right? Because that's just all about dollars. Wealth is all about time and family and 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 zen-like lifestyle if you want it or adrenaline lifestyle if you want it and and I, I i've always been on the pursuit of like a whole integrated life that has wealth as a component of it and instead of just chasing the money because you can never ever if you're chasing money ever have enough money period. okay so you really philosophically you really see real estate as a uh, means to an end a way to create that lifestyle that you're describing as opposed to uh, even from the beginning, you never saw it as a get-rich-quick scheme or even just a get-rich scheme, more of a just a way to build wealth, uh, long-term wealth and generational wealth and uh, to be able to create the type of lifestyle that you want, whether you're, you know, whether you're working or whether you're doing this full-time, I guess. That's right. And, and I, I truthfully, which is a conversation we can have later on maybe, but uh, I have no idea how somebody invests in real estate full-time. I have hundreds of units. And if I spend more, more than two hours a day, and that's a real stretch, on those units and finding new units to buy, um, I'm doing something wrong. But I see people saying, oh, I'm going to be a full-time real estate investor. So what are you going to do with their other 22 hours of your life? <laughs> Uh, okay, flesh. So flesh that out a little bit for us, because obviously the, the eyebrows are raising up there. Well, you got hundreds of units. Yep. Sure. Sorry. People begin to make real estate their life, and they, it becomes an obsession. Just go online; you can see it. And um, and then they, and I, I talk to a lot of guys who it, it be, has become their obsession. It becomes everything about their life. As a matter of fact, I I was uh, coaching a, a friend last night how deep he was into it and how it was hurting his family because he's out all the time and uh, he's not filtering very well. He's he's buying lots of property, but at the same time, spending way too much time in the world of real estate because once you're in it, um, it's easy to get caught up in it. I, I kept trying to change people to think about real estate shouldn't be your life. It should fund your life. That's it. Um, I know if you're in, in the realtor position, um, even some of the great realtors that I know um, have figured out a way in which to work specific hours, but not spend their whole life being a realtor and still make right. you know, 200 to $500,000 a year. I'm going well, right. pretty damn good because, you know, look at the average income of a realtor. If you take all the realtors and all the income, you see that there's some big performers and some who are 
big big pretenders. So, and I find that the the and this is a bizarre statement, but it's it really really works. That the less a person works, the more they make because during those periods of time where they're working, they are full on in the revenue generating mode or the problem solving mode. Right? That's it. There's no sitting on the Facebook and sitting on the, I use the word the Facebook as a joke, um, <laughs> sitting on Facebook, uh, sitting on the, on the internet, searching for the latest and greatest blog post from some guy who's telling me that the world is going to end and then trying to, you know, it, 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 it becomes an obsession. As soon as you break that obsession, you go, listen, I got two hours today to work on my real estate. That's it. Guess what happens? You get really good. Really, really productive. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get, absolutely. Then your kids recognize right. you. You know, you, you can you, you can do it from St. Lucia, which I've done many, many times. Um, you can do it from your favorite uh, campground if they have Wi-Fi. Right. And it, life becomes a little bit better. And that was the way from the time when I was working. I was, I was working part-time at Sears, my goodness, um, at the discount store. Uh, so they discounted furniture and they discounted salaries. And, <laughs> and we still had that philosophy is that, you know, you... you you work to live, you don't live to work. Okay. So that into real estate. Can you take us back to your first couple properties that you bought. What what were you buying in the early, early days? Um and maybe and maybe if you can share with us uh some of your did you make any mistakes that you learned, those key early learning mistakes from the early days? Yeah, absolutely. Um first off, don't buy anything because it's cheap. There's generally a reason. And and the and the masses, I hate to use that term, but you know the, the the general not strategic investors think that that price matters, and I did it at the beginning too. And um, and price does not matter. What matters is ROI and, and income. So my biggest mistake was buying a couple properties because you know they used to be worth X, and now they're my, X minus thirty percent, and I could probably negotiate another three percent off of that. Wow, look at me! And then of course. There was a reason that the price had dropped. Um, there was an economic reason. And by making those two mistakes at the beginning, I went, wait a second. I'm thinking like everybody else here. I, I never want to do that. I want to be that uh, the person who just thinks just a, that extra 10% deeper into a subject. So what I did is I found and I started to really study what supports a real estate market. What supports it so it allows me to forecast incredibly accurately where the real estate market's going to go 18 to 24 months out from here? And that, that began the journey of rain, and that began the whole thing on, uh, okay, so I want to buy where it has a future, not a past. I don't care what the price is. I care what my price-to-rent ratio is. And uh, and if I can get a good price to rent ratio in an area that has GDP growth and job growth and population growth, which now seems to be that everybody parroting that, but back when we released that information, no one was talking about that. Everyone was talking about price. Got to get it cheap. Got to get it cheap. And um, so biggest mistake was buying because it was cheap and not in a sustainable, economically strong market. Um, so that would be right. – so, I would call that speculating. Right, right. You're just buying because, man, it sure, sure seems cheap. And you can, it seems cheap, yeah. You can see that in Windsor. You can see that you know, in, in all kinds yeah. of areas. Okay. Well, that's a good transition to ask you uh, in terms of predicting the next 18 to 24 months, is, which is what you talk about all the time in terms of looking at GDP growth, job growth, and, and picking your spots based on that. 
So what area of Canada are you most excited about in the next two years? Okay, so it's, uh, I, I can even go five years. Because we're, or even five years, sure. We're in the midst of our, uh, our um, really detailed year-end research uh, for RAIN members. And, uh, and I, I, can, I can clearly state that oil dropping down to 74 bucks is one of the coolest, best buying opportunity uh, in Alberta that we've seen since Kyoto, which was back in 2000, 2001. Um, uh, the, the, the fear in the marketplace, uh, the not understanding of the geopolitical issues that are driving the oil price and the November 27th um, OPEC meeting that's coming up. So, you know, all that stuff that goes on behind it. Um, has really provided uh, Alberta with a, uh, Alberta investors with a good buying opportunity, but also um, uh, a thank God moment because we were starting to look like uh, it was going to go uh, 2006, 2007, which is totally unsustainable. In uh, in Ontario, there's no question that transportation and millennials are going to be driving the market. So um, I would. Definitely look at Barry. I would definitely look at the line as it all the way up to Vaughan. So any of those stations that are along the way, because you're going to have a couple of post-secondary institutions along there, um, you're going to see student housing start to spread out instead of right around the university. You're going to see it spread out along that new line, the new uh, TTC line. Yep. Big fan, giant fan. As many of you saw, uh, uh, I just reposted on my Facebook the uh, the George Strombo on the hour uh, a number of years ago when I said Hamilton as uh, the place to go, and uh, yep. I still think it's still the place to go. It's uh, I still remember announcing that with our research. So we, we do things on research, right? Not hoping and trying to sell real estate in some town, right? So when I said Hamilton, you can watch it on the show. He'll go Hamilton. You mean like yeah. town? Like, yeah. and uh, and that's what we love doing is being able to find these spots beforehand. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Hamilton. Of course, uh, uh, Kitchener and Cambridge uh, is going to be nice, consistent. They're getting a new LRT in the area. That's great. And if I was to buy in downtown Toronto, I would really go for uh, ground-oriented units at the moment. With Ontario's Places to Grow Act, you know they're forcing density. Mm-hmm. And uh, in all these little areas like Barrie, Barrie's a great spot. Um, yep. uh, and and the, the, the density is, is starting to occur. We're seeing it in downtown Toronto, obviously, because it's downtown Toronto. You're seeing density. But anything that's ground-oriented is really going to go up much more quickly than condo. And because you can make more condos. You can't make more ground-oriented units. And um, uh, you just have to really dig, Andrew, as you know, in that area to find something that's going to carry itself for, with cash flow. Yes. Secondary or tertiary suites. Yes. Well, with the, yeah, the, absolutely. I think we we definitely would agree that uh, ground-oriented housing in, in Toronto has got nowhere to go but up. I guess the issue uh, for most investors is just they can't afford it because the prices have uh, shot up, you know, 10% year over year for the last five years or so. Um, do you think what rental controls in place? You really need to buy it from a homeowner. You can't don't buy it from yes. another landlord because right. you're going to get stuck with a tenant who's probably undervaluing five six hundred dollars a month. Absolutely, yeah, that's a great tip uh, there for anybody investing in freeholds. Understanding rent control and the implications it has on on you as a Massive. 
as a buyer. <laughs> And knowing what, yeah, what you can do with your tenants, yeah. Try Winnipeg, where even if people move out, you can't raise your rents to, to market. Really, I did not know that. So, so if you want perspective, I always like to give perspective to wherever you live, because wherever you live, often, you, yeah, you think the rules suck, right? Well, in 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 Toronto they do, because you got two land transfer taxes, etc. But in Winnipeg, or at least in Toronto, you can, when the tenant moves up, you can get your rent up to where you're supposed it's supposed to be. But in Winnipeg, you have a very difficult time doing that. And uh, so, you know, there's always worse places. There's always worse places. Yeah. <laughs> but once again, um, 800 meters around the, the stations, I know that the election that you just had, lots of talk about transit, uh, yep. um, just because it was the hot topic. But as we know, uh, anybody can talk about transit. It's, it's the building and the getting the funding that's the issue. Yeah. Once again, Edmonton, you jump to Edmonton and they're building another brand new, they just finished the line and they're building another brand new line out into Mill Woods. So follow that. It takes five, six years to build these silly things. Go buy now. You know where the stations are going to be. Yep. You'll, and you'll, uh, your friends will call you lucky and uh, because they, that infers that they're unlucky, not, not smart. Right. Because they're not going to say, wow, you're smart because <laughs> friends, right? Yeah, the psychology behind it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, th- but right now, uh, everybody has to start paying attention to what's happening. Twenty seven percent of the population in Canada is that Gen Y millennials that yes nobody was talking about. And when we came out, we came out with I can still remember headlines in the uh, in the Globe and Mails and millennials are not going to affect the real estate market. And then about three months later, um, a-, a certain columnist who shall remain nameless. Uh, came out and says, you know what, millennials may be the savior of real estate. And I, oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, 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 the truth is 27% of the population is that, that age group. While we know what happens to that age group, um, they actually, if you don't mind me saying, eventually have sex and eventually have babies. So that means you're going to have a real demand for two- and three-bedroom units. But what's happening is we're seeing a lot of one-bedroom units being built. Bingo. Price. Yep. So you're going to have, there's all kinds of people buying these one-bedroom units. Yes. Years from now, you're going to have a oversupply of one-bedroom units on the market and an undersupply of two- and three-bedroom units. The other thing that's yes. happening with these millennials, of course, is they're not driving. I, I remember being 16 and standing in line to get my license. I right. people now who are 20 and 21 who go, you know, maybe one of these days I should go get my driver's license. I'm, I, I look at them like they've got two heads. Yeah. That's the direction. So that means that streetcars and LRT and that the, the subways are going to play an even increasingly, uh, increasingly larger role in driving real estate market. Yes. Bedroom three, bedroom units around transit 10 years from now, you're going to look like a genius. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Um, I wanted to get your take on the U.S. housing market. You know, what's uh, you look at Canada all the time. I'm sure you've looked at opportunities in the U.S. as well. I mean, obviously, U.S. is a mass. You know, you can't just say the U.S. housing market, but um, so, in the Canadian market, right? Yeah, it's. I know you hate that term because it's there's no such thing, right, as a as a national housing market. But um, are you looking at opportunities there? Do you buy there? Are you encouraging people to buy there? Or are you saying, wait? Well, I'll tell you right now, is if, if you, if, if you want to buy in a real estate market that is in the U.S. that is not going to come back and bite you in the next 10 years, 
you have to look, once again, GDP growth, job growth, population growth. The problem is the majority of Canadians went down there and bought in areas that were cheap. And Going back to your first point, yeah. Right. And, and you know what? I teach this in the UK. I teach this in the US. I teach this in Australia. It, it does not matter where in the uh, Western world uh, that you're going to be investing in real estate. If you don't buy where people are moving and want to live, um, it doesn't matter what you pay for that. I, I, I saw a bunch of people buying in Detroit. And now, yep. of course, we see some issues that are occurring in Detroit, to put it. Population, yeah, population continues to shrink. Yep. So it really doesn't matter how cheap you buy it. It doesn't matter if you get it for free in some cases. You're if, for a dollar. So what I'll yeah. have to do is sell it for two bucks. Well, good luck with that. You know, there's a yeah. <laughs> But if you're yeah. buying in Houston, you're buying in Dallas, you're buying in Washington, D.C., you're buying in Seattle, you're buying in uh, Portland, you're seeing these these areas that are burgeoning and, and have job growth. You're not getting them at that. It used to be worth 800 grand. Now I'm getting it for 25 bucks. You won't believe it, man. Um, you're not getting those kind of deals. But there's no. a reason you're not getting those kind of deals is because you're a strategic investor. You're not a emotional speculator you know if 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 it's hanging in winners or value village there's a reason yeah you know yep. so it's a, absolutely real estate is if it's got to the point where it's like oh please god just take it off my hands um generally there's a reason for that and you need to understand that reason uh in, in the in your target town absolutely um what bugs you most about media mainstream media reporting on real estate saw a headline today that said the imf uh is saying that canadian real estate is overvalued by 20 percent it's only 20 now oh good <laughs> you know what, what what bothers me is uh and and it used to bother me now it doesn't bother me it actually fuels me because um i, I it, it helps it, 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 by them doing those types of stories without any general background on it and not going, ah, you know, maybe we should question this instead of just cutting and pasting from the press release. Um, what It doesn't bother me, but what it does is it allows strategic investors to look at it and go, okay, so what's real? Because I, the one thing that we've done for 26 years is never, ever have a thesis and then go and find stats to support it. We've always gone and t- taken a complete view of all the research and all the reality of the market and come to the conclusion based on the research instead of setting the tone and then finding the research. Because you can always find anything to support your argument. And um, you know you can sit in your basement and pound out blog posts or whatever you want to do and say, you know, the world is ending, the world is ending. Yeah. And for the last since 2008 there's guys out there that says the world is ending the, the Canada's in a bubble blah 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 and we've had the best run in our history so all the people who listen to them have now lost out on a potential giant gain throughout yep. that could have put their kids through university could have uh could have actually set them for life which I know because I've seen lots of guys do it and even if they're they want to sell now into this into this hot market um, they went from 08 to 2014 or 2015 and rode super low interest rates. Which, yep. Yes, they're low. Yes, they're too low. Exactly. But 
you shouldn't argue with the point. You should always just find a way to position yourself in the reality of what's happening in the world. That's how I right. it. Right. Makes too much sense, Don. Makes too much sense. Well, it's not emotional enough. <laughs> Here's one of my theories, and, and, I, and the words don't come out exactly the way, and I've tried to clarify it a little bit better, but the no's get the eyes. So the N-O, like yep. the no against whatever it is. The naysayers, yeah. Always get the eyeballs. And I work on, in a lot of media, in, in TV and in uh, radio and yep. in media. So I get to talk to these guys off record. And they keep telling us, listen, with the advent of the Internet and the consolidation of all the media, like Post Media just buying all the sun, uh, for instance, you're, mm-hmm. yep. you're, you're getting a really tight competition. And they know the psychology of human beings is that we're always looking for danger so we can avoid it. So if they say, hey, you know what? Housing market's doing pretty damn good, eh? No one's going to click on it and read it. But yeah. if everybody says, housing market's on a bubble, like you'll see some, there's an economist that comes out of Ottawa and, and has been telling people that there's this giant big bubble, um, even though the market was at, like near its bottom. But that's a whole different story. It keeps getting the headlines every time and every time. And, uh, and, and people just buy into it. And I get 50,000 emails saying, Don, what do you think of this article? And I go, come to the RAIN meetings and I'll tell you. But uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the reality is the nose get the eyes and the eyeballs. And, um, yep. and, and I, I don't disagree with them at all. I, I disagree with the philosophy that you have to do that. Um, but at the same time, what it does is it keeps a lot of people out of the market, which – I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, Don, you, you've written a lot of best-selling books, uh, and you do a lot of work uh, and benefit for Habitat for Humanity. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that and how they can get a copy of your books if they're looking for them? Thank you, Andrew. The, uh, the, the reality is I didn't want to write a book because I knew it was a lot of work, and I was already busy. And uh, so I pushed back with Wiley, uh, the, the publisher, international publisher and they kept saying you we really want you to write a book finally i said i thought i came up with something that they would say no to and so i said you know what i'll do it but all the royalties and everything goes to habitat for humanity i sent that email expecting never to hear again and within a week they sent back said done deal i went crap (laughs) okay so that took a year And uh, so the, 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 the deal is 100%, I make no money off the books, 100% of my royalties go directly to Habitat for Humanity. Uh, and tell us how much, how much your books have raised for Habitat, because I was amazed when I saw this number. Well, my goal was 20 grand. I thought, think of the impact we can have, Don, if I talk to myself. And, <laughs> uh, think, of, think of the impact we can have. We can raise 20 grand. That's kind of cool. Blah, blah, blah. Well, as of the rain meeting last week, yeah, last week, we're at $1.15 million raised for Habitat for Humanity. Amazing. And, uh, and what's great about Habitat is that money never goes away. And there's no admin fee off of it, so 100% goes to a build. And uh, because a mortgage gets put on that property, that money then goes and builds another house and another house and another house. And it, it's, it's a legacy that's that's pretty amazing and uh way bigger than i ever expected and uh, so that's that's kind of cool and um you know if you go the best place is on amazon.ca 
type in Don R. Campbell and you can see all seven of my books. I would suggest starting with Real Estate Investing in Canada, which okay. kind of outlines my yep. buying philosophy. Yep. And I think the second one uh, would be the uh, real estate cycle, how you, the reader, can analyze the cycle in your specific town. Right, and that's that's getting into your sort of secret formula, your secret sauce that you've uh, developed over the last uh, twenty plus years, and like, and predicting the, the 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 spots to be in based on uh, the fundamentals, like you said. Well, you know, the one thing is that you know, as we forecast things for three years out, um, uh, media don't like that too much. They want to know what's happening on Thursday. Yes. Uh, um, so they kind of get lost with us sometimes in our discussions, and. Uh, and then when it comes true, of course, somebody who just said it three weeks ago looks like a genius. But that the, the reality is, um, I've got enough. Pro- Connie and I, my wife and I, have 27 years, um, have uh, enough property, so we're not too concerned. We want to just keep, you know, uh, peeling the onion for people and allowing them to see uh, what the core of the real estate market is, so they don't get caught up in the ad hominem, uh, you know, the personal attack uh, debates that occur. You know, you just go online, go on Twitter, go on some of these crazy guys' blogs who think that they're geniuses, and uh, all they do is attack people. And I look at it and go, why don't you just say your facts and say your your supporting documents and then just get out of the way? Oh, no, you got to make people wrong, I guess. I can't do that. I refuse to do that. I refuse to get engaged in that and – and I think that the more of us who do that and get disengaged from the personal attacks and just get engaged in, listen, we're all in this to make our lives better financially, period. There's enough out there for everybody. If you don't believe in real estate, here's my one thing that I, I, I want your listeners to take away. And that is, if someone's telling you not to do something, i.e., don't buy real estate, there's a bubble, or... Don't buy a, don't buy stocks because it's going to crash. What I always I encourage everybody to ask is, okay, that's fair, but what should I do? Because it is incredibly easy to tell people what not to do because there's no risk. Yes, it's much more difficult and much more of an intellectual challenge to come up with a solution to say, listen, you got some money, you got kids, you got to put through university. Here's a pro, here's a way that you might want to look at doing it, because I've, I I don't want to swear on your show, but I get so PO'd with guys who just run around telling people what not to do. I said that's not leadership. That's just looking for attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely. absolutely. Look, look for things to do, and a, and if you believe the interest rates are going to go up to fifteen percent, then put your money somewhere that's going to take advantage of that. If you believe that the interest rates are going to stay low, then put your money somewhere where the interest rates are going to stay low and you're going to profit. Like it's not rocket science, personally. Yeah, great, wise words. Hey, listen, Don, you've been interviewed so many times by so many different people, but uh, is there one question that nobody has ever asked you but that you wish they would, and what would that be? What were you thinking in the 80s when you decided that perms look good? No one's ever asked me that question before. (laughs) (laughs) It's an ongoing joke in rain because I showed okay. a picture of me with a perm. But nice. It, 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 see, the chemicals did affect my brain. The, um, I th- you know what? Why, why do you keep doing this? Nobody says that. Nobody asks the question, why do you keep doing this? So, so why do you? Well, I'm just going to walk because I'm in my office. I'm going to walk in. And, there, and 
it's kind of a bizarre answer. And in on June, I'm just talking about, it hangs on my wall to remind me. On June 27, 1992, I was working in aviation, selling nuts and bolts, Western Canada Piper aircraft, blah, 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 right? General manager, thought I was the king of the world. Went to a workshop that had a component of it that says, okay, put build your life purpose. I go, what a load of crap that is, right? And uh, But I'll do it. I'm here anyway. Why not? And I wrote this thing out, and it's and and remember, I was selling nuts and bolts at this point. It says my my purpose statement is to use my humor, honesty, and intelligence by reading, gaining knowledge from all sources, and keeping everyone around me in a positive frame of mind, so I create success in my business and all areas of my life, so that everyone has everything they need to be comfortable and to enjoy their lives. And I signed it June twenty seventh, nineteen nineteen ninety two. And then, like we all do when we go to these workshops, stuck it in a binder. But well, phew, that feels good. I've done my workshop. I stuck it in the binder. In yeah. uh, in uh, 2001, I was going through my uh, binders and throwing crap out, and came across that, and that is exactly what I've been doing for the last 10 years. It's exactly um, what I continue to do now. Um, don't take life too seriously, but definitely do what it takes to keep people positive and keep people moving forward. And I'll do this until I fall on my arse. That's amazing. And, and die. That'll be the last thing I do. Okay. Doing that. <laughs> on your deathbed, you'll be, you'll be advising people on the GDP growth and uh, transit nodes and uh, oil prices. And <laughs> <laughs> wow. Connie will be excited about that. Won't she? Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is get, don't let, don't, let real estate become your life. Just let it become a component that's, that, that funds your life. And you know what? Obsessing about anything can be um, detrimental to many different areas of your life, including your family life. Um, I, just, I just urge people to just be smart, make your money work harder than you do. That's great. Don, if people want to get a, a hold of you, where can they find you uh, online or otherwise? Sure. Uh, Facebook, it's the Rain Man, R E I N Man, and on Twitter, it's at Don R Campbell, uh, and I'm on there every day on Twitter, and uh, sometimes every day on Facebook, and um, and of course they can always email me at Don at RainCanada.com, and that's R E I N Canada.com. Great. Thank you very much for your time today, Don. Really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. And uh, hopefully we can have you on the podcast again one time. Right. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was my interview with Don Campbell, and I hope you enjoyed that. Now, a few points that really jumped out at me, uh, having listened back to this interview after recording it. Number one was what he was talking about, don't buy cheap, or just because something is cheaper doesn't mean it's a good investment. And we see this time and time again in the condo market where people get hung up on price or on, even worse, price per square foot. There seems to be this obsession amongst people to say, to evaluate an investment, uh, whether it's good or bad, by looking at the price per square foot. Um, What I always say to that is that's sort of a bit of a fool's game to fall into that. Um, The price per square foot, while it's, you know, it's one measure to look at, it really has no relevance whatsoever on determining if something is a good or a bad investment. Rather, if you want to look at one thing, you should look at 
uh, or one or two things, you should look at the income that a property is going to generate. Forget about how much it costs. Look about how much it's going to give you, how much is going to give you back as an investor. So you want to look at the income it's going to generate as well as the likely future value of that asset. So in other words, what are the chances that it's going to appreciate in value? And that's where Don comes in and he, and he talks about his model of predicting future growth uh, areas by looking at GDP and job growth and things like that. So cheaper is not always better. You've got to peel back the onion. It's a lot more nuanced than that. And that's don't fall into that trap. Second thing um, is just how he mentioned about future areas to invest, looking in uh, the GTA and Barry and Vaughn and some of these areas where future transit is coming. Um, that's always uh, a wise point to to look at. Of course, most people know that, but understanding the uh, future transit growth and future transit plans for an area, the Young and Eglinton, uh, the LRT line uh, on uh, on Eglinton is is certainly um, putting a lot of eyes on Young and Egg and the future potential there. So that's just one example. The third thing that jumped out at me is just how he was talking about don't obsess. So don't become obsessed with real estate. Um, real estate shouldn't become your life. It should just fuel your life and, and allow you to live the life that you want. Uh, whether it's uh, to be you know totally um, independent uh, from, from any sort of typical work or whether it's your retirement plan or whether it's to pay for your children's education or whether it's just to provide you with that security, um, that's what real estate should be should be all about. But but uh, just I really enjoyed what he had to say about not letting it become an obsession. Um, certainly, in my line of work, it's very tempting for for it to become uh, an obsession for somebody like me. And uh, yeah, just certainly on a personal note, this year has been pretty crazy. So it was wise words for me to hear, and just looking forward to taking a bit of time off. Uh, over this uh, Christmas December season, myself. Um, so that that uh, I thought that was a great point by Don. And the fourth thing is the uh, just what he was saying about in terms of condos in Toronto, two bedroom and three bedroom units, and how you know again I've talked about this a lot on different um, podcasts and and videos, and um, certainly with a lot of my clients at projects. If you've sat with me. Looking at getting into two-bedroom and three-bedroom units uh, because the housing prices have just gone nuts in Toronto, as we all know. So people are not able to afford to buy houses anymore. Um, Commuting times are crazy, so people want to live downtown, but they can't afford a house. People are going to end up in condos, and they're going to end up living in condos for longer and longer and delaying a house purchase or in some cases, never purchasing a house, whereas before the pattern was buy a condo, one bed or one plus den, and then uh, buy, you know, buy a house a couple years later. Now it's going to be, well, let's get into a two bedroom because we're never going to afford a house and let's plan on staying there for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, maybe having one or two kids in that two bedroom condo. And that's, that's where you're really going to see a lot of um, demand in the future particularly in the in the good downtown neighborhoods is for two bedroom and three bedroom condos both from a resale price appreciation perspective and also from a rental uh, appreciation perspective as well 
So that's uh, that was sort of the highlights for me from the interview. Uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed that. For all the show notes on this episode, head on over to truecondos.com slash rain, R-E-I-N. And uh, you'll see all the links to everything we talked about there. And you can get a hold of Don if you want to and look at Real Estate Investment Network if you're interested in learning more about them. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate your support. If you like the show, please leave me a review. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.